Hey, dear listeners, I do want to let you know the different ways that you can support this podcast. First, you can just follow me or Noemi on Instagram. I'm what the derf. Noemi is o.noemi3. On my Instagram profile, there's a link tree with a Venmo, my TikTok, even a P.O. box. So many different ways that you can support this podcast. If you can follow us and like us on all platforms, we'd really appreciate it. We thank you for the support, the donations thus far, and we look forward to the What the Derf Show future with you. Love you guys. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the What the Derf Show. My name is Friday, and this is... Noemi. And in this episode, honestly, it's I'm one it. it's one dimensional. You're yeah. what? On <laughs> this episode, I'm over it. Why are you over it? It's just been so long. It's been the same amount as any other episode. Oh, maybe because we didn't have segments. Yeah, it's one dimensional. We get into kids and the raising thereof. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. That makes no sense. This episode is not funny. This no. episode is not funny. Maybe that's why I'm over it. It's challenging. It's challenging. But I feel like it needed to be said. Noemi, what are your thoughts? That's it. That's all. That, that's it. <laughs> She's ready to go eat some more tortilla chips, some potato chips. <laughs> that's all. That's all. That's if you don't already, follow us on Instagram. And if you haven't already, leave a rating on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. The five stars would be appreciated if you leave anything <laughs> S less. Um, you know, it's, it's your opinion, so I'm not going to hate on that. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcast. We love you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hopefully, provoke some self-reflection. And not uh, anger and hatred. God bless you guys. Have a good day. Adios. What is that? It's it's um Jurassic Park. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So we just we just uh got out of, we did we didn't just get out of the movie theater but we saw Jurassic World today. Today I don't even know what the name of it is because whenever you talk oh, to somebody yeah. you just talk to them and you go hey did you see the new Jurassic World no one cares about the little sub name or sub thing you just know that there's a bunch of them and it's the new one that's in theaters right now I didn't even know there was one out no I I think I knew it was I knew it was coming out and then I didn't remember it i didn't get all hyped up about it and then our pianist at the church she says something about going to go watch it with her new boyfriend and i was just like you know what that sounds like a good time and i went to the gym today and i got out and i was like hey babe let's go get some um tortillas derecho no de derecha tortillas derecho that means tortillas straight well i want straight tortillas because i'm <laughs> about that no he said um, babe, are you hungry? And I said, yes. That often means he that wants I'm to hungry. buy me lunch. Okay. Now he, he also wants confirmation other than himself that he needs to go get food. So I need to be the culprit that says, yes, I'm hungry. So he's like, oh, dang it. Now I got to go eat something. Yeah. Um, so I said, yes. And he's like, you want to go to Villas? Which is a, a Mexican restaurant. That we love. They make really good tacos. Okay. Really good tacos. But what she got me on is that there's like a homemade corn tortilla. Yes, and which, it's it's a quesadilla. 
You say, can I get that quesadilla with the derecho? I don't know. You say it real fast. What do you say? The hecho in Mexico? No. What is it? Um, hecha mano. Hecha mano. The tortilla hecha mano quesadilla con camarones. It's a shrimp quesadilla with the homemade corn hecha tortilla. Mano. That means made by hand. That's what I hear whenever I oh, hear it. Mano. But when you order it and I get it in the hablado, which is, which is made in a really spicy sauce, it's a bonabatito. Bonabatito. <laughs> Oh, bon, bon, I don't know what I just said right now. Bon appetito. You know what's annoying? What? So if, if you haven't already and you live in the Los Banos area, go to Villa's Mexican restaurant and get the echamano, yes. um, tortilla mm-hmm. in the style of a quesadilla. Preferably yeah. the shrimp so quesadilla. Ruth was the one that got me on it. Uh, the, the quesadillas with the tortilla hecha a mano. Yeah. Not hecha mano. Hecha mano. Um... <laughs> But yeah, and we have it with shrimp, which the shrimp they prepared a certain way. I I never asked for it in Diablado. And honestly, it's not my favorite because it's so spicy. It's hard to enjoy. And it's so weird. That's how I know I'm getting older. Is that weird? Because when I was younger, the spicier, the better. I the, I wanted the spiciest because I wanted to prove. I don't know who I was trying to prove. But I wanted to prove that I can handle the spice. And now that I'm getting older, my stomach is like, nah. My stomach's like, hey, let's let's do that. Okay, hold it on. It says, no, let's not do that. So I will have it every, like, I'll have one taco and then I'll have two other tacos just regular. Or, you know, the, quesad- the regular quesadilla. I can't have everything in Diablado. My homeboy over here. So me, I'll get it in the hablado, which is the spicy sauce, which I think is made with habanero and death, and they put it inside yes. the they put it inside the meat that you get it with, and then I also say, hey, por favor, a uh, little senorita, can you give me a side of the in the hablado sauce? Extra. The, the, gets extra. The lady that works behind the counter sauce. speaks perfect English, but I look at Noemi like, help. So you can say yes. it in Spanish, so that yeah. way she knows what I'm, what I need right he now. He always wants me to say it in Spanish. I think he thinks there's some sort of understanding when you do say it in Spanish, where they'll make it better. It, I mean, <laughs> the one time that you did order it out of the last three times that we went, it was so spicy it made my tongue numb. Yeah, and I still it do was, crave oh. the spice. I, gave, I need it spicy. I couldn't even finish the burrito, and that says a lot, babe. When I have I ever not finished a burrito. I, I don't at least know. not eating. At I least stopped half paying attention it. after about ten minutes because you take one bite every hour. Oh my gosh! Well, I always so finish my burritos, and I could not. I took maybe four bites. Then I told my coworker how spicy it was, but she looked at it. It did look delicious, um, and she's like, "It looks good." And I was like, "No, my stomach is still burning from just four bites." And I, and I put so much lemon on it. Um, and she's like, I'll try it. She ate it. The next day she goes, how could you let me eat it? I still feel sick from it. And I was like, I tried to tell you, you still wanted it. It's so dumb. I still crave the spice. <laughs> Whenever I go to a Mexican restaurant, I judge that Mexican restaurant based on their camarones a la diabla dish. The shrimp of the devil. Yes, this Christian gets the devil no. shrimp because I like to play with fire. No, that's not what that means. What? Shrimp of the devil. No. It means possessed shrimp. Either way. Possessed Okay, you're going to tell me that each word translated in the order that it is, yeah. shrimp of the devil. No. Camarones? 
a la diabla. No, camarones and diablados. No, no, no. Camarones a la diabla. That's, that's how what it people is. say it, but it's that's camarones it and no, diablados. No, no, no. That's how it is on the menu. It's what are you going to... Camarones a la diabla. How much you want to bet? We're not Italian. It is. Every single Mexican restaurant is camarones a la diabla. Yeah, I guess. I guess. No, true. no. I guess. I guess. I guess. How much you want to bet? It, no, it's true. And it is translated devil of the, shrimp of the devil. I just, I rolled so hard. No, oh, whatever, dude. What it is, what is it about? Shrimp a la devil. What is it about like food? Like we just got these new potato chips from the, <gasps> the store good. down the street and you eat a couple. And you, you, you recognize that it's good, but after you eat a couple, you can't stop. And I'm sitting there thinking, yes. why can't I stop my fat self from putting this fried potato, probably fried three times, inside of my mouth? How come I can't stop doing that? Why am I addicted to it? How come I'm not addicted to sit-ups? How come I don't do one sit-up and like, oh, this is good for my body. Let me do some more of it. But no, I eat <clears throat> some... That makes me mad too. I eat some potato chips and then it's just like... I'm, I'm like the, the potato chips is the saliva in the back of my throat right now i eat the potato chips and i'm just like mindlessly eating them yeah and there's never a set amount no one ever eats a potato chip and think you know what i'm gonna eat 30 of them today and that's it you get the bag you are done that potato chip sesh is done when right. the bag is empty and still the fattiness in us the when we get down to like almost the bag is empty we're sitting there like oh the bag's almost empty even if it was a whole like 32 ounce bag of baked lays and you're sitting there you get down to it and then when it's empty you get sad you don't think i'm content i probably had enough potato chips you just think i wish i had more potato chips yeah I'm getting sad because the bag is becoming emptier and emptier. It's ridiculous, dude. That makes me mad, too. I always say, why can't the good stuff taste good, you know? Why does it always have to be the bad stuff? I don't understand. So, like, celery. Why can't why can't celery taste like hot Cheetos? No, it's got to taste like celery. And why am I attracted more to that taste? Well, you know? it, food is designed like that. That's annoying. Food is designed and has additives in it, along with the high fructose current corn syrup and just regular sugar. Oh, it yeah. is designed to, to get you to addicted. addict to be addicted to get you to think about it. Why? Why when we drive by a McDonald's, we can smell McDonald's? Why does Why does that burger smell different than Burger King, which you can distinguish what Burger King smell is by driving by it? That's so true. And why does Habit Burger smell Ooh. more like a barbecue? Yes, I love as opposed Habit. to McDonald's, Wendy's, and Bar uh, um, Burger King. Yeah, you know what? I love driving. I like I like walking by Habit. Or like walking into habit, and then you can see all the smoke. Yeah, and there's always a guy singing. Yeah, he's just like he's such a vibe. He is a vibe. Even the one time I went in there, where there's one guy being really rude to some Mexican oh, lady yeah. that was working in the back. But other than that, it's such a vibe. But what? It's a losing game here, people. It's a losing game. Yeah. We we go to the store. Everything's in in colorful packaging. If if someone had the information that can better your life, mm -hmm. they would give it to you, not sell it to you. But you find a product and you sell the product instead of giving the information. You know what I'm saying? Instead yeah. of the secret ingredients. So everybody's out there to help you. There's a new, there's a new dietary program. <laughs> there's a new dietary program. 
and there's keto diet, and then there's not keto diet, and then there's this workout, and then there's not this workout, and then somebody's going to say you should do this exercise this way, but you shouldn't do it this way. No one is trying to give you the information. Everybody wants to sell you the information and take your attention, and it's just annoying because if someone really wanted to help you, they'd give you the ingredients to life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Also, since we're talking about working out, and we're just boom, 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 working out, I, someone needs to someone needs to hear this. Someone needs to hear this. Your butt does nothing to contribute to a relationship. Your, or to keep, contribute to anything, Your really. butt does nothing to contribute to a relationship. So you need to, you need to, you need to stop doing the, the hip thrusters and go to therapy. Ooh. You need to stop doing the hip thrusters and go to therapy and, and fix your traumas because you're doing 97 hip thrusters <laughs> and you're taking a, a picture on Instagram, but then you get into a relationship and it's just like, I have all this emotional baggage. I've got all this trauma. Thank God my butt looks nice. <laughs> you know what's crazy? And I'll say it, uh, you know, pertaining to that kind of, it's something I think of all the time. So a lot of people say, you know, the things that they do, it's not because they're looking for someone. It's not because they're trying to be with someone. It's not because they're trying to impress a girl. It's not because they're trying to impress a guy. It's not because they're trying to have a relationship. But humans are created to have relationships. We have it embedded into our DNA. And even in Jurassic World that we watch today. Here we go. Preach. The girl was not satisfied until she knew she belonged to someone and that someone loved and cared for her. She resisted the whole time because she felt lost. Why? Because she didn't have a relationship with her mom and she didn't know that she had a mom. She thought that she was just created. Um, and it's very curious because obviously it's a fictional it's a fictional movie. It's not like it's real life. But that seems to be the theme in a lot of movies. Why do people go to therapy when they're abandoned as children or they have really terrible parents and terrible childhood? Because they don't have a sense of belonging and their relationships were all out of order. So there's truth to what he's saying because, and this is just backing you up, because you could say, oh, well, through hip thrusts are for me and yeah you're you're you could be spending a lot of time at the gym but what are you doing to also help your not just your physical body but your mental yeah and not that you can't do both people can do both freddie works out all the time that's not helping his mental or maybe it does, well, it, it, does. To a certain it does way. what are you talking about it does to a certain degree you know but it's also important to do the other stuff so i'll piggyback off of you also I'll piggyback off of you. I think that every person needs to take take care of themselves spiritually, physically, and emotionally or mentally. Okay, and it, it's almost like this trifecta. It isn't it, if one is failing, you can't do the other two extra to make up for your emotional. My emotional is not doing too well, so I'm just gonna work out like crazy and and just just keep going to church and and praying. But you still got to work on your, your mental. Mm-hmm. And likewise to any other situation, if you only have two and not the not the third one. So I think that each each area of of working on yourself kind of overlaps the other, like big time. If you take care of yourself physically, you can you can have it literally 
it changes the biological and like the chemicals inside of your body. It literally changes it inside of your body and your mental is affected by whatever's going on inside your body. And then if you're healthy physically and healthy mentally, then you can make good decisions and then act on them because you have the, the good mind and the healthy body to do so. Like everything kind of carries over. You, it's really hard. It's really hard to just do two out of three or just one out of three. You have to constantly be intentional and working at all three of them. All of them. Because eventually, if you're not working on your mental, something's going to come up. Depression, anxiety, and then you got to look into it and take the time. If you don't know how to work on it, then you're in like a bigger detriment because if you're not taught how to work on it, how are you going to work on it? And that's where therapy and counseling and all that all that good stuff comes into play. If you're not taking care of yourself physically, you get sick. If you're not taking care of yourself spiritually, you end up losing yourself. You yeah. end up losing so your So basically, there's got to be a balance. Balance. Balance is key because too much of something is going to be not good. If you said, hey, Fred, in the four years of therapy, what did you learn simply? And first is what people say and do is a representation of them. What you give time and energy to, you give power to. And life is about balance in each area that has a tension of opposites. Good, evil, up, down, happy, sad, strong, weak. It's you all about a balance. Good tension? The, so evil and good? I don't agree with that one. Okay, so when when you heard that, it's because it was received as evil and good. That means you need to do some good and you need to do some evil. But that's not what I mean. You can't recognize good unless evil exists. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so yeah. each exists because of its opposite counterpart. I think that's re- redundant. Each exists because of its counterpart. Right. Um, I think... I'm going to quote a movie right now. A Walk to Remember. Oh! (laughs) When she says, um, you know, she's trying to tell Landon that God is real. And he's like, I don't believe in God. And then I forget what she says before. um, But he's like, there's too much, there's too much suffering in the world. Yeah. And she says, without suffering, there'd be no compassion. Amen. That's a lot of truth. I mean, after that, he said, tell that to those who suffer. Um, But I do like that she's what she said of without without suffering, there'd be no compassion. It is very true. It is. Because we wouldn't know any anything else. And unfortunately, I mean, it would be nice to not know anything else, you know. Yeah. But we live in this world and there's good and bad. So thanks for clarifying for me. I appreciate it. And I knew it too. And, and that's kind of like when, when I say that, that's immediately where somewhere, someone's mind goes. Do you want to do you want to do, do your segment or do you just want to get in? I feel like we can get deep right now. I feel like we can flow. Yeah. Let's I, do it. I, I feel yeah. like I feel like we can get get somewhere that might help somebody. Okay. Yeah. Be, okay. So things have been really deep lately. Um. In the the lives, well, things have been deep in my life because I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm writing that book. And then whenever I'm writing the book, I'm constantly thinking of ideas 
and when I do something, I obsess over it, and it's just it's just how I am. And is it healthy? Is it not? I don't know. But how else are you supposed to pursue something? If I don't obsess, then I'll get discouraged. I'll get lazy, and I'll procrastinate. And uh, it, it's just I'm always I'm always bouncing things off of Noemi, and she sometimes agrees, and she sometimes disagrees, and it's all okay. Yeah. In each situation is okay. The, was it the last episode where I was like, I don't necessarily agree with how yeah. you put it. Um, and I don't, I don't mind disagreeing with you because you never take it like personally. You try to, you usually explain your side. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't, but yeah. I feel comfortable sharing my opinion because you don't take it the wrong way. See, see, what we're going to get into in the next uh, 40 minutes, okay? And I guess we can put a disclaimer here. Um, these are all our opinions. This yes. is not f- a statement of true facts. These are just our own experiences and our own, our own opinions on the topics. I don't ever like to to make statements like they're facts that are yeah. factual when I know it's just my opinion. Um, and we like to ramble a lot and talk about stuff. But what is and also, anything? We're going to talk. Yeah. But it, it needs to be said because people get offended but, or they're like, that's not true. No, it, it, people, um, at this point, people are listening it, to this. You can take they want to listen to it. Right. You can take it and interpret it however you want. Um, but just so you know, the next 40 ish minutes, we're going to, talk about some stuff and how we interpret life but okay so before we get into that what is anything what is anything other than a general generalization what is anything other than that even the even what is true you have skeptics and even what ends up like being the truth in that era or generation it ends up changing down the line it's crazy like it's crazy. Well, so, that's so an what, extreme, but no, it, it is so. what we talk about here are strictly our opinions. Just like someone could have a completely different opinion, we can't we can't blend the those lines of factual and opinion. Yeah. So th- there's fact and there's truth. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. So what I was thinking of, and something that's really been on my mind lately. Because because of the book that I'm getting into, and I, I might read something from the book as well. Something that's been on my mind is is just the, the development of kids, the development of kids, and I'm bouncing off of ideas off of other men, other women, and and just the the upbringing of kids, and and what are we doing? What are we doing to be effective and make a difference in their lives? Because what it seems to be, because I'm a youth leader. And then there's youth at the church, my family. I don't have any kids personally, but I don't think that should keep me from having an opinion and this own idea of what's going on because it seems like kids end up being really distant and we there's some that might be creative, but what it seems to me is that kids are desperate to find themselves where there's like a separation with it's funny because they get clustered into this social media world with this this feeling of of trying to be like everybody they see on Instagram or, or Facebook, but there's also this feeling of separation of trying to be their own unique person. Mm-hmm. So it's just really just like pulling it both sides. And then it's weird, it's crazy how all kids 
that I know all teens, they're all so different. They're yeah. all so different, but so the same. That's yeah. crazy. And I was just thinking about the upbringing of them. And I was, I, I said this yesterday in conversation at, um, Noemi's a teacher at a Christian school and there was a graduation for the kindergartners, the sixth graders, the, the eighth graders and, uh, moving up to the next level. And I said, a lot of parents, what you'll hear is like, Hey, I, I want, I don't want my kid to go through what I went through. I don't want my kid to grow up the way that I did. But at the same time, you look at it and you think those hardships made you into the person that you are. So what are we really saying when we say that? What do we re- what do what do we interpret that as, Noemi? I don't know. I think it well we were raising very privileged children who have no idea what the real world is like. Okay. And it's a it's a strange thing because you don't want you don't want your kid to suffer you don't want them to go through hardship but life what is life without hardship oh Th- that that doesn't exist yeah so we're preparing them for a world that does not exist yeah that's that's actually that actually makes a lot of sense we're preparing them for a world that does not exist when they get older no one's going to care if they're upset about something. If they need to be at work and they're like, eh, I don't want to. Yes. Well, you have to go to work. Yeah. Well, I don't want to. All right, then you're fired. There's not going to be anybody like, well, let's talk about it. Let's see how you feel about it. Okay, you don't want to do it. All right, that's fine. And obviously, us as parents, we're not going to treat them like an employer. Yeah. But the reality is no one's going to treat our kids the way that we do. No one's going to have the patience that we do. And if we just hand them everything, I, like I said, we're not going to treat them like they're employers. If you just hand them everything, they're always going to have an extended hand. Yes. Like, what are you going to give me? You kind of learn how to take instead of give. You don't give. You don't you know. give you, because you never learned. It's just like being kind or polite um gratitude is not something we're born with it's something that we're taught and if you don't teach your kid how to be grateful they're never gonna care it it seems it seems kind of weird because especially in california you have two working parents and it just seems like time is getting stripped from us every everywhere every family has two working parents because if you have one working parent that's that's You're not making it. That's a one percent in California. Each parent has to work because I think the the average income in each household to sustain a healthy lifestyle is like one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. I'm just guesstimating. I'm pretty sure it's near that. We'll confirm next episode, I guess. But it's crazy because where is the time to the kid? You you have two parents that are working nine to five or whatever hours that you are working, and then you have them going to school. The kids from seven o'clock to three o'clock, four o'clock, maybe even doing an after school program because. Because you're not out of work yet, and they go to the after school program. If you live in the town that we live in, people are commuting over the hill. And then when you finally get home to parent your kid, to parent them, how much energy 
do you have to do so? And how effective can you be when you only have two hours, three hours with your kid every day? And then you go to the weekend and you don't want to be the strict person. So you kind of just make things light. You're, you're, you're passive, lenient. And when it comes down to it, we're almost, and this is, this is just my generalization. If I'm wrong, text me, hey, Fred, you're wrong. This is my generalization. It seems that the kids nowadays are getting raised on this horizontal plane of a curve, like this, this, this praise of, of leniency and mediocrity. That your emotions are going to get catered to yeah. because that's the upbringing of everything. And yeah. it's, it's funny because uh, the award ceremony yesterday at the Christian school for, for Noemi, you get there. There's like, what, 30 kids in the class? The, the 30 kids in the whole school, 25, whatever it is, right? Less than that, yeah. Less than that. And you, and you go to the thing, the, the award ceremony, and there's five, six trophies on a table. They're not for all the kids, meaning some of these kids are going to get some crazy trophies. And one of the trophies was like four feet tall. Mm-hmm. Four feet tall for a crazy academic hardship award. And I look at it and I thought, dude, that is amazing. That is amazing that they're going to reward academic hardship. Because I remember at a time when I was eight, nine years old, both years, it was two seasons of baseball. And I was on really crappy teams. My dad was also the coach for both of these teams. Whatever. We had losing seasons. We were one and 17 for both seasons combined. And it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good going into a game knowing you were going to lose. Knowing you were going to lose, nobody knew how to play baseball, and my dad didn't know how to coach. Nothing against him. If he didn't coach, we didn't have a a team to play on. But after the second losing season, because I love baseball as a five-year-old, after the second losing season, I go to my mom because there's a a reward award ceremony where everybody gets their trophies and it's a barbecue and we get this little 6-inch participation trophy and all the other kids are getting the, the first place team gets what seemed like like a 3-foot trophy and all the kids seemed like they had beards and mustaches and goatees Just, that's how envious you were of the situation and I'm sitting there with my little rink-a-dink trophy and I go home and I talk to my mom and I started crying I said I don't I don't want to lose I don't want to lose what do I got to do what do I got to do? I don't want to lose. It was, it was friction. It was friction. And with friction, you can awaken a fire. And my mom said, if you, do, if you want to, if losing doesn't take any effort. If, if, if you can lose, you can not do anything. You can not practice. You can not work. And lo- losing is easy, she said. If you want to win, you need to work hard at it. You need to go to practice. And then after practice, you need to practice at home. You need to work harder than you did before. If you want to win, work for it. And that changed the mentality in me. That changed the mentality in me after that. And I didn't have a winning season every single baseball or football or or occupation or marriage. I didn't have a winning season in everything that I did. But I had this mentality that if I'm going to do it, I'm going to put all that I have into it. And I'm not going to look for any handouts. I'm not going to look for anybody to... Because to, to, nobody's calling you. Nobody's calling you for a wake-up call at 7, 8 in the morning on a Saturday to go to the gym, to meal prep. Nobody's calling you. Nobody's calling you to, to, to push you to do your laundry or, or to, to do good, do well at your job, to do well at practice. You go home and you're, you're, it's just you and you. Mm-hmm. It's just you and you. You have to make the decision to get up. If you're a 16, 17 year old football player, there's kids working, fi- working out five days a week. You need to work out six and seven days a week. If you want to be better, if you want to, to, to pull forward, pull forward. And, and be successful and win, you need to go above and beyond. 
So I took that mentality and I applied it to everything that I did. And I was happy to see the trophies at the, the award ceremony because it meant that academic hardship was awarded and we're not leveling out this plane for mediocrity. Because if you, if you lose, it is not a good feeling. But there's, there's no opportunity for growth if you don't lose. So when we even out this, this playing field, you even out the curve and it's just this horizontal line that every, every kid needs to be catered to and not forgotten. You need to give friction. Kids gotta lose to pull through to the next level. You gotta lose. If you never lose in life, then what the hell are we doing? That's true. Sorry, I just went on a, like a tirade. It is true, though. And I think that... I think we were talking about this yesterday. If you just make them win every time, let them win. When they haven't earned it, they're never going to work for it. What is there to work for? There isn't. Let's just just say your experience at the, 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 the academy... Christian school. Yes. First year. Mm-hmm. Four new employees, three teachers, one principal. Oh, yeah. It was hard. Okay. Yeah. Was it easy? <clears throat> no. Not not at all. It was it was hard in ways that I can't even describe. But did you grow? Oh uh, yeah. Why? Because it was hard. <laughs> because the hardship, the tension, the friction is stirred up conversation and effort. It stirred up reflection. Yeah. You took it home and you said, was I wrong or was I in the right? How can we, like, we're going to, tomorrow I got to go and I got to clock in. You grew out of it. Yeah. So what what does it yeah. look like if somebody's brought up to think that everything's just going to be laid out for them? And this this doesn't mean silver spoon fed. This doesn't mean the 1% where a farmer's buying their kid a, you know, a, a Chevy 3500 <laughs> for their senior year of high school. Yeah. This is a kid raised on omission, passiveness, um, catering to the emotion, gentle, gentle parenting, gentle parenting, <laughs> oh, helicopter man. parenting. Yeah. This so, is, uh, and that topic makes a lot of people upset because no one wants to be told that they're they're not parenting the right way which who knows what the right way is you know i don't think all kids need a specific discipline type kids are all different there's kids that are really very sensitive um but i think where i get stuck a lot of the times is where do we draw the line you know because we are parents and as so, we have been appointed stewardship over our children. And that's appointed by God. We will literally be accountable for how we raised our kids. Yeah. And what we did. And did we do the best that we could possibly do? Did we raise them to be contributors to society? Or did we... Con- we Raise them to be takers. That That's huge. And that, that concept right there is so huge. Go ahead. Yeah. And it's my daughter. She's very 
very, very quiet. Um, she has her opinions. She is strong-willed. She is also very, she's vocal with what she wants. She knows what she wants. She's very, she could, she can, she can be shy, but she's very sure of herself. But I've never had an issue with her where she's just defiant. Granted, she's only six years old. She's about to be seven, seven, but she, ne she does not push boundaries. Well, the biggest and area she, of opportunity for brain development is from zero to five years old. Yeah. So, so her, her at six years old, that is the foundation of what she's going to live her life. Right. And I honestly, I remember being a kid and my, my siblings and stuff and we would get in trouble. And I was, I was probably one of them. Me and my brother were the ones that would get in trouble more often. But we were very obedient children. My mom told us to do something. We did it. She also ran a very tight ship, you know, but we were, we were very obedient children for the most part. Obviously we weren't perfect, but we had this understanding of mom and dad call the shots and that's it. And my daughter is like that. I'm not crazy, um, strict with her. But she's just obedient. I I tell her, do this or stop, and she will stop. And again, she's not perfect, so she makes mistakes and stuff. And she she'll push boundaries sometimes, but I don't. So there's sometimes when I get so wound up in the fact that she's just an obedient child, and she's quiet and she's helpful and she's all these wonderful things, that sometimes I don't notice when she starts getting bratty. Yeah. You know, because she does have her moments where she does get bratty. And then I'm like, wait, hold on. You don't tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. You don't tell mommy no. Um, and you have to trust me because I'm your mom. I'm not going to tell you to do something that's going to hurt you. Yeah. You know, um, and she is, you know, she's, she's, she's a kid. Kids are very trusting for the most part. But there's sometimes... <clears throat> and this is just from the outside looking in because my kid's different. Um, but when I see other parents with their kids, especially like at, let's say I'm at a grocery store or at a Target or something. And the kids call the shots. The kids call the shots. They want this. That's what's mom, that, that is what mom is going to do. Re I've been at restaurant bathrooms where the mom and, you know, they're telling their kid to do something and the kid is like, no, I'm not going to do it. Why are, why do they feel so confident being able to say that? Would I have ever done that to my mom and told her, no, I'm not going to do it. No, because I knew she wasn't going to take that. And when kids know, like, it goes the same thing back with um, awards. If they know yeah. that they're going to get the award anyway, why do I have to work for it? I'm going to get it anyway. What 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 is it in a kid that ends up doing what's right even when the parents not there? You know what I'm saying? Like the other day, we went to Save Mart and some lady was walking up. She had a knee brace. She was limping. I went to go get a cart. And she obviously needed a cart. You make that eye contact but then look away, look down, but you face the direction where you need to go and I'm in the way. I was like, "Okay, lady, you need a cart. Here, take the one that I have. I'll get my own." I wasn't hitting on her. It was a female, but Noemi was right next to me. I just saw the area of opportunity. I saw a need, 
in which I can be helpful to somebody else and be selfless. And there it was. And then she's like, congratulations, you got a good man, keep him. I'm like, dude, no, I'm just doing what's right. You know what I'm saying? So what is it where, where a kid does what's right, that, even in the absence of, of, of their parent? That's what I'm saying. That comes with, with teaching them. If we're, te- we're teaching them how to be, like, again, just good humans. We're just teaching them how to be good humans and contribute to society in a, in a positive way. So if you teach them, this is what you do. You behave yourself. You don't scream. You don't throw a tantrum when you don't get your way. That carries over with children. It yeah. carries over with how they carry themselves. You know, it doesn't go in. This is how you're acting with me. That's also how you're going to act in public. No, kids that they, they just get it like that. You know, yeah. I've had kids tell me and I'm not going to be specific on where or who, but I've had kids tell and I've worked in the in the school system before, but I've had kids tell me, oh, I don't have to listen to my mom. Why? That's not good. Well, she, she threatens me, but she never does anything about it. Kids are well aware how far they can take things. They are well aware. And if you let them get away with stuff, they're going to push you to that limit. Okay, so this is crazy. This is this is a small little podcast. This is What the Different in Noemi, Oda Noemi. And, and where's our voice, voice going to go? I don't know. There isn't that many people. You know, I'm very grateful for every listener that we have in this podcast. It's awesome. If there was one listener, honestly, I like listening to my own podcast when it's released. So even if me and Noemi just did this and we heard it the next day, it's like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> but but we have this 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 society, this mentality. And and once again, I'm generalizing based on my own perspective truth, but I feel there's some accuracy in saying that we are nurtured to take and not to give. And we have this take mentality. We never learn we never learn how to, to give or see area of opportunities uh, of need, like see a need, fill a need. And if we're never let's just say emotions are catered to and coddled. And my deficiency or, or or whatever it is that I'm lacking or or areas areas of opportunity are are just kind of like what's the word I'm looking for? Cut like when you cut somebody some slack. Um opportunity? Yeah, like like let's just say like you have learning deficiencies or Grace. You're just showing grace. Like, but the thing is it's not really grace. You know <clears throat> what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is that Let's just say like in all the hardships growing up as as a as a child you're given leniency and excuses and you're coddled and just leveling out this plane of of mediocrity and saying it's okay your emotions like your your the calmness of your emotions matters in in a way that we never have to deal with them so we're going to cater to it if that makes any sense as opposed to teaching like self-reflection and working on yourself. See that that that's like the main thing. 
And the reason why I'm so passionate about it, this is why. Hey, Fred, why are you talking about this? Where are you going? Me, as a 34-year-old adult, when I reflect on my life, my parents, as much as I respect them, very seldom do they teach me about spirituality, my physical health, and my emotional health. No one ever talked about emotional health. No one ever talked about the family members that took medication. No one ever talked to me about finances. It was always just stimulus, stimulus, stimulus. Whenever family came, it was laughter. And I went and did sports. My dad worked. And a lot of times he would work overtime. And God bless his soul. There was really no parenting in it. My growth came in sports. And honestly, I was blessed with good friends. By the grace of God, I came out without being addicted to alcohol, drugs, or in a gang. Yeah. Because I grew up in an area that was pretty bad. Crazy. So... Hey, Fred, where are you going with this? No one ever taught me how to deal with something emotionally. No one ever taught me the importance, sat down with me and taught me the importance of taking care of my physical health. Yeah. Just just naive to it. Because yeah. when, when, when crap did, hits the fan what did you think about stuff like that it, just you just, just whatever think? like my, like my you know my uncle's got diabetes that's just what happens no one ever sat down and said fred no that's not right that's not that's not right that is a lack of you cater to it you no know, because no one ever says hey you didn't take care of yourself it's because they didn't take care of themselves it's just you know it happens mexican genetics no it's not it's not Mexican genetics. It's Mexican uh, tendencies. So, so whoever has whatever it is, whether it's mental illness or or a, a, a emotional like just obstacle or or physical health where where it's it, it's it, they're lacking in it. No one ever says, "Hey, this is what we got to do." In my growing up, no one ever said anything. So then I get to where I'm in my thirties, and I have a mental breakdown. And OBT dubs, I will go to the doctor. My my blood pressure is a little high because no control on my my addictions to food. No one ever sat down with me and taught me the importance of it. So, Fred, what are you getting at? Are we sitting down with our kids, saying, "Hey, emotions may come, and this this is real, and you're and it's biblically that you have to kind of take control of your mind." Or your mind, you're going to lose it. It's so temperamental. Yeah. We don't talk about that with people until when? They lose it? No. We need to sit down with our kids and say, hey, we need to take our, care of ourselves emotionally, physically, spiritually. These are the things that might come your way. Who care? Like, what are we even preaching college anymore to these kids before the other stuff? Sure, college is fine. But what about the, the, the fundamentals? If you, if you take care of that little trifecta, Emotionally, spiritually, and physically, everything else is going to be cake, regardless of what you do. Because I found myself in a situation where I, I need to work on myself and didn't know how, and it took me four years of counseling and therapy to kind of get through it. No one ever taught me uh, the, the fundamentals of marriage and what it is and what it means and the, the covenant, nothing, nothing like that. No one ever taught me that. Mm. I looked up a statistic the other day. <clears throat> And the, the, these are the, the, you can double check it. I cross-referenced it. This is, this is who's raising our kids. 66% of Americans are medicated. 
That's a Whether it's for physical or emotional health, 66% of Americans are, um, are medicated. All I knew growing up was that when there was a problem, there's a medication for it. When someone's in emotional distress, they're losing their mind. Why? Because my own parents pushed away the idea of ref- somebody else was in depression. So they kind of pushed that away because they didn't want to reflect on their own situation. So they say, let me just push this away. Let me just push this away. Keep this, this badness. That's bull crap, dude. Yeah. Take everything in me not to cuss right now. <clears throat> so no one ever taught me that. It wasn't until it blew up in my face and I was blessed. I haven't said it yet, but only by the grace of God. It's just the crazy, I can't even get into it. The turn of events that led me to the counselor that I had and then who she was through it all, which I finally ended it after four years. I said, this is my last appointment until I need you again. Just this turn of events that kept leading me in certain directions. Why? Because I never turned my my heart away from God. And because it was all laid out for me to work through and reflect on myself, I will not be disobedient. Fred, why are you, why are you writing a book? Because by the grace of God, I was saved. And I felt it in the spirit that I had some stuff to jot down. And right now I'm at 30 pages. There's just no way. There's no way I can... Turn my back to that. Honestly, I'm going to listen back to this and I really don't know where the period is on here or honestly the the context or the, the, the subject is I just kind of went on emotion and I'm here and I don't have, I don't have any kids but kids are on my heart. And maybe that is something that leverages off of each other. Maybe if I had kids, I'd be tired of them. But it's just what I see. I I know kids that are disrespectful. Eight, nine years old, just disrespectful. Thinking it's funny. Thinking it's funny. I don't know. I don't know. I need to pause. So, no, I mean. Well, it's crazy. I was thinking about right now that I, well, I try not to be this way anymore. It's hard though when you make a habit. Um, but for a long time, <sighs> the way I would cope or deal with problems was to not deal with them and pretend like they weren't there. And I can actually pinpoint where I started to get this habit. So I grew up in a very Christian home, Um, church every Sunday and every Wednesday, prayer on Mondays and uh, choir practice on Thursdays or Fridays. I can't remember what day. And then when I got into youth, and that was another day added to all of it. 
And so there was, I grew up in a, like a snow globe. It's a little bubble. I didn't know what it meant to drink. I had never seen a drunk person. I had never seen a person with tattoos. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know about divorce. I, my parents fought a lot when I was a kid, but I still held them up on a pedestal. My mom, my dad, my uncles, my aunts, I just thought they were just so perfect. I didn't think that there were, there was anything wrong with any of them. Um, and I didn't know any different, you know? And my family's loud and crazy and especially my uncle Robert and my dad, they were always arguing whenever they got together. But to me, that was normal as a normal interaction between brothers. I didn't know any different. Then as I got older, you know, you get older, you start noticing things like, hmm, that doesn't seem right. Then as you get more knowledge and then you get more understanding of how toxic certain things can be. And all of a sudden, your dad isn't a perfect, you know, warrior, you know. Like to me, my dad was the Hulk growing up. And he was perfect. I was daddy's little girl, you know. And you get older and then that veil kind of comes off. You know, problems, you start to understand them more. You start to understand arguments and what they're talking about. See, that's another thing right there. See, I've heard this mindset. I've heard the mindset babe, of... Babe, I'm sorry. I didn't interrupt you. I wasn't done. Oh. Okay. And um, I'm sorry. I'm going to lose my train of thought if I let you talk right now. Okay. <clears throat> so... You start understanding arguments. You understand how serious they can be and how scary they can be. And I can honestly pinpoint, again, I can pinpoint when I started using, like, oh, let's just pretend it's not happening as a coping mechanism for problems. Um, and I won't say the issue exactly. There was an issue with my sister it was bad. It was ugly. Um, not her, but just a situation that had to do with her. I was probably nine or ten years old. And I remember it was nighttime. It was raining. And it felt like I had a... I, I didn't know it was anxiety at the time, but I had a lot of anxiety. I went to go run and I went to go hide in my room. And I remember telling my other sister just read read a book to me read a book to me and I was trying to pretend like what was happening downstairs wasn't happening and I remember thinking to myself and telling myself it's all right you just have to withstand it for now pretend it's not happening and then the morning when everyone wakes up you're gonna have breakfast and everything's gonna be normal and it's gonna be like it never happened and I held on to that and that not that I could have done anything different. It's not like I could go down and fix something. But I was I was 
it was like a, a defense mechanism. And it carried on to when I was a teenager to when I got into more serious relationships. Whenever there was a problem, I would hide with my phone on TV, do something, read a book. And then in the morning, I just pretend like it never happened. So, yeah, I, I, it, it carried through, it carried over. And I didn't like to deal with my emotions. I didn't like to deal with the problems that were in front of me. And granted, there's still things that I need to work on and I need to, you know, there's, there's just things, there's always things. And I sometimes revert back to that mentality, like, oh, just pretend it's not there. Um, and that was something that maybe I saw, you know, and I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus because we're not, no one's perfect, you know, but I think that's something that I learned by seeing it, you know, and, um, I taught myself to deflect and not deal with the, the real problem. And that took me through a lot of hardship, for sure. There's two things out of the. It's funny that the mindset when we see our, our parents as heroes until we, we recognize their flaws. Yeah. And then you see it. And you wonder, like, you, it, it's a curious thing. It's an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old to start to recognize your parents' flaws. No one tells you to. Yeah. You start to recognize the negative and you dwell on it. Yeah. But what, what it really needs to be is the, hey, son or daughter, we're not perfect. And what I've come to learn, because my dad's not perfect, and I don't wish for another dad, but there's a lot of areas of opportunity for him. So you start to develop this learning curve instead of resisting it. See, the, the problem is kids start to resist it and pull the, to, the, the total opposite direction. But you recognize in Scripture, it says, honor your father, thy mother, way back when, before even Jesus came out. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And the reason why, the, the way I interpret it, because some parents are pieces of crap. Some parents are murderers, murderers, pedophiles. Some parents do awful things. And I said those, those crazy things to kind of get you on, on board with me right now, because some parents do that. Yeah. Honor your father, thy mother. The way I interpret it and what helps me sleep at night is to leave their name better off than how it was given to you. Honor thy father, thy mother. That's Fred's. Yeah. That's Fred's kid. That's that's uh, Art's kid. Your dad. They're doing awesome. And if it's in a way that they're so much better than the, the, than what their parents were, mm -hmm. you're honoring the hell out of that. Because even though you're shining a little brighter than what your parents did, your parents still raised you. Yeah. They raised that kid who's who's pulling away. One thing that I wished my parents did, because all I have in my head that live rent-free in my memory is the fighting. 
Yeah. Rent-free images. This one time when my dad pushed my mom across, if there wasn't any couches, like she legit got pushed across one lazy boy and barrel rolled into another lazy boy. That was crazy. Rent-free in my mind. I can close my eyes and see it. I could see the color of the walls, color of the lazy boys. I can see the layout. I can see my mom's clothing. Rent-free in my mind. Do I want to remember it? No. I wish I can forget that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, this is what you should do. It's easier and a little bit more palatable for your ear to hear me say, I wish my parents showed more resolve and forgiveness in front of me. Because I never saw anything resolved. Yeah. It was fight. Don't do it in front of the kids. And then resolve in private. Mm. All that taught me was like, we're just going to forget about what happened yesterday. I didn't see the resolve. Right. And how old were you when that happened? Seven. It's a like imprint. The core memory. So you you don't teach forgiveness by preaching on it on a Sunday when you're 21 years old. You teach forgiveness in the disagreements, in the submission as parents. Mm-hmm. For a mom to say, you know what, you were right. A dad to say, you know what, you were right. I wasn't right. And to not be talking directly to the kids, but go to the kitchen and be like, you know what? I was an a-hole yesterday and I'm sorry. Never. Not one time. It was all just fight and forget about it. Mm. That is the foundation that I was uh, raised upon. Yeah. I think that's the foundation that a lot of people are raised upon. You you, You want to... Fine. Put your kids in bed. Read them some scripture. Do the thing. But your kids are going to be raised on a foundation that you set by example that you do in front of them. Also... They're not always going to listen to you. Yeah. But they will do what you do. I learned that in Maximize Manhood. Your kids won't always listen to you, but they will imitate you. Yeah. And also... When it comes to kids as a working mom... And a mom who co-parents. So I have my daughter half of the time than other people would, you know. Um, And I work a lot. But it's not really even the quantity of time. It's more the quality and what you're doing while you're with them. Because there's really no way around it. I'm I'm very blessed to have two amazing grandmothers that are helping me raise my daughter. One is my mom and the other is her dad's mom. They're both great. And I know not everybody has that, but even when you just spend those couple hours during the week and the weekends it's it's really what you can you, there's always things to be taught and things to be learned um at any point you know so it's really like okay what are we teaching 
them. For a long time, I thought the best thing to do um, was to make sure that I stayed with her dad. I have to stay with him. So make it work. I have to make it work because she needs both parents in the same house. I can't leave. I can't leave. I got pregnant out of wedlock. This is just another tally on the board. Like, oh, she's also going to be a single mom when that's where shame comes in. Yeah. You know, but mostly it was about my kid. I don't want to share her with anybody. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to have half of the time. Yeah. And that, that goes into selfishness too. You could say, I could say that it was about my kid the whole, you know, for a whole hour. It doesn't make it true. It's not just, it wasn't just because of her. It was out of selfish reasons. And what I realized later was I'm not going to change who he is. I'm not going to change the fact that we are not supposed to be together and things are not going to change. I gave it years to change. Nothing changed. And what happened was that my kid started watching me. She started getting anxiety when we would argue, we would fight. And I just said, enough is enough. And even if she doesn't understand it, because she didn't understand it, and she probably still doesn't as to why I left her dad, at least I never gave up on her. And I wanted a better life. I didn't want a life that was lonely and bitter. So I removed myself from the situation and I hope that that's what she remembers as she gets older and that's what she starts to realize not that I'm going to tell her why but I hope that she can understand that mom did what she had to do for whatever reason this this story popped into my mind and you know this story This might have just been the respect for my mom. I don't know. But I remember one time vividly my sophomore year of high school, I was playing a baseball game in which I pitched and we were playing at San Jose High. And me and my brother both played baseball, usually on the same days. The heck was that? The toy. Oh. Usually on the same days. So one parent would go to one and the other parent would go to the other game. And I was playing at San Jose High, which is an away game. I assume it was like 20, 25 minutes away from the high school that I lived at. And my mom had a whole bunch of part-time jobs. And I remember my parents weren't there. My mom wasn't there for the start of the game, which I was always happy when my parent was there. Yeah. I didn't feel pressure when they were there. I felt calmness. When my parents were at my games. I played better when I knew my parents were coming. I don't know why. I don't know who needs to hear that. But I'm just letting you know. As a 15, 14 year old um, boy. I played better when my parents were there. The game starts. For whatever reason I said, hey coach, can I lead off? 
which means you bat first in baseball. And he's like, sure, why not? We're playing a crappy team. San Jose High, they sucked at sports. Bad. <laughs> bad. It felt like you, as a 14-year-old, you felt bad playing them because of how bad they were. Aww. And I hit a home run. 14-year-olds, I, I hit the hell out of, the, out of that ball. It was crazy. It was on the first pitch, too. And it was a ball that I swung at. I remember this vividly. It was a little above my chest outside of the strike zone, and I, I tomahawked it, which means I chopped down at it, and I hit the hell out of the ball. Home run. My mom wasn't there. We only scored one run that inning. One, two, three after that. The two, three, four hitters all got out. And I was pitching that game. And as it was, the innings were, were, the inning was over and you, in between innings when you shift over to San Jose High's time to bat, turn to bat, I see my mom in the distance. See, there was a parking lot, but this is JV. The JV baseball field was like twice as far as the, the varsity baseball field. Varsity baseball field is right there in the parking lot. JV was like way on the other side of the field. If you need a measurement, like, a football field away. So 100 yards, maybe a little more. It's probably about 150 yards away. And I see my mom like, oh, my mom's here. And she's carrying three chairs, pulling an ice chest, and has a duffel bag. The third chair, the two other chairs, she would take the extra chairs just in case anybody needed to sit on at an away game. She'd bring it. And I guess her oh. logic was, I'm going to, I don't want to walk this twice. That's how far it was. You ever do something like a man taking the groceries in from the, from a Costco trip? Like, I don't feel like doing this trip twice. You're going to take everything in one trip. It's in the game. And I see that she has all this crap. <laughs> and I didn't even say, Hey coach, yada, yada, yada whatever. I'm pitching the game. I just ran towards my mom. I hear my coach yell in the background. Fred, get your A over here. We got a game to play. And I I remember looking back at him and I just pointed at my mom as in like, dude, look at all the crap she's carrying. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I ran over there huffing and puffing because that's how far it was. I remember being out of breath. So I'm just sprinting and I grabbed the chairs and the, the duffel bag. I said, the ice chest is on wheels. She can haul that. That's fine. I run, take it over there, set it down. And the whole game is waiting on me. And I remember my coach saying like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? I said, I'm not going to leave. My mom was over there. I'm not going to leave her t- carrying all that stuff. No, no one was helping her. Oh, gentlemen and he looked at me looked at my mom looked at the crap that i dropped off put on a face of displeasure but also with this little smirk this little smirk i remember the smirk the smirk said like like well done like you did the right thing even though this whole game is waiting for you to play because you're pitching you did the right thing I remember the the umpire looking at me with his face mask in his hand, like looking at me like, what are you doing? 
and you know, I, I should have just like flipped them off or something. I don't know. I was 14, whatever. That's what I should have did. <laughs> and I went and uh, I didn't have any practice pitches. I ended up striking out the side. And uh, I wasn't the, I was an okay pitcher, but like I said, San Jose high. Why did I bring that up? I, I don't know what that was. For me to be at a baseball event, see my mom, see a need, say, no, my mom matters more than this stupid little game of baseball. So I'm going to go help her. Go help her. Make the whole day stop because I don't want to see my mom struggle and do the right thing despite what everybody is feeling. 14 years old, despite what everybody's judgment was and feeling, did the right thing. Because what's right is what's right, regardless of how you feel. And my question is, for whoever the hell is listening to this, or I'm not, I'm not trying to praise myself. I'm divorced twice and full of a lot of issues. Okay? But nothing's going to steal my try and I'm never going to quit. So my question is to you. Are you raising your kid? To do what's right despite what everyone feels. What, no matter how many eyes were looked at, looked upon you, them. And to sit there and like I looked my coach in the eye. This is my coach who I respect because I was taught to respect my elders and to respect my peers and to respect my coaches. Say, hey, my mom needed help. I don't care what you have to say. Are we raising our kids to do what's right despite what everyone else thinks? That's not for me to answer. That's for the 150 of you, whoever ends up listening to this, to answer, to reflect on. Because if we're not, then what are we doing? We need to teach our kids Righteousness, accountability, work ethic, <laughs> and love, love and forgiveness. And goal should, the, the college should never be above any of that. Sports should never be above any of that. Money shouldn't be above all that. You got to give them a foundation. Are we done? I guess. It's been a long time. It's been a long time the rock and roll. This is a really serious podcast and I feel, I feel the intensity of it. But I remember about like four episodes ago, I was just like, we're going to talk about however, however we're feeling because that's how life works. That's how moods work. That's how emotions work. And honestly, if nothing else, I feel better. I feel like I was holding all that in and I, I feel better if nothing else. Um, we kind of tapped into, you know, Noemi's relationship and also her family 
fighting. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't out of hatred or to offend anybody. It was just this is observation. And sometimes observations can be a learning experience when reflected on, and that's why it was brought up. We're usually very careful on what we say when no one is here to defend themselves. But I feel like everything we said today was okay. And yeah. No, I mean, anything else? Nope. At this point, after like an hour, 20 minutes, are you just done? Are you asking me? Yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Jurassic World was lit. It was good. It was actually the better one of the Jurassic World. Jurassic World was my second favorite favorite Jurassic Park series. That is including all six of them. The first one was Jurassic Park and then it's Jurassic World. That's how good it was. And then it was Jurassic Park 2 and then all of the following. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was really good. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If it made you mad, I... um. You know, just say, what do you know, Fred? You've been you've been divorced. You don't know what you're talking about. And you don't have children. You don't have children. What are you talking about? Well, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it takes an observation from the outside in. You know, something like Paul. I don't know. He wasn't married. <clears throat> nor did he have kids. So... That we know of. But he gave advice about marriage. So. Okay. I love you. We're dragging it now. Okay, bye. Oh, um, the, 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 what's it called? The phrase? The catchphrase? I don't know. Hey, y'all. Have a good day. Because if it ain't good, then why have it? That's when you say bye. Oh, bye. Bye.